0: Listener Production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson, and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The L Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights and tips for turning your passion into a career. Hi. Hi, how are you? So good to chat with you today. On this episode, I speak to Natalie Holloway, who is the co-founder and CEO of the incredible brand, Vala. It is the coolest workout gear ever, and it's actually redefining how we look at working out. I'm looking at you pretending I'm in LA, (laughs) so I need to see that screen because it's making me really happy. You're in LA. (laughs) It really is giving me vibes. I love that. I first found Bala on Instagram when I started seeing all of these cool photos come up with these cool girls working out with these amazing ankle and wrist weights on. And from there, I needed them in my life. I searched the States. I found a pair. I have not taken them off since I bought them. But what I didn't realize was that Natalie's husband sketched on a napkin their iconic Bala bangles after a yoga retreat. How's that? Nice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Excited to be here. Okay, so to break the ice, I always like to do something called the Fast Five. And what I've learned is the quicker you answer the question, the less you think about it, the more honest the answer is. (laughs) Okay, so what's your coffee order?
1: Americano with oat (laughs) milk.
0: Okay, who was the last person you texted?
1: Erica, my sister.
0: What's the last photo on your phone?
1: A picture of my baby in a backwards hat. (laughs) Aw.
0: What is your guilty pleasure? Mac and cheese, Annie's mac and cheese. I like that. Okay, an item you cannot live without. Ice cream nice. I love that. I know. I like how mine stirred
1: food. I think I'm hungry.
0: (laughs) I know. I like that I'm talking to like a fitness person and none of that reflected any of that. That was way too fast. That was way too fast. (laughs) You're my kind of fitness person. I like that. Ice cream and mac and cheese. Yeah, true. You're my person. So Natalie, you and I actually haven't met, but I feel like I've been such a fan of yours since I fell in love with Bala. So I would love to hear about how you got into this industry.
1: I know, I love, I love it. I feel like I know you. It's crazy that we haven't met. <laughs> I know, it's weird. In a non-COVID world, maybe we would have met in person by now, but hopefully soon. Yes. So yeah, I got in the fitness industry in a few a few ways. I had been in advertising for the majority of my career, working on like really kind of like large production scale commercials. And I always kind of wanted to start my own brand. So that was like kind of one way I got into the branding world, but then fitness specifically, I actually got my yoga license at Core Power Yoga. I don't know if you guys have Core Power. Do you?
0: We don't. We need it. You don't. We okay. need it's it. like a
1: sculpting yoga, but yeah. I got my yoga license probably like five, six years back now. And I was very kind of interested in exploring that side of business. Like I, I talked about opening a yoga studio. And so that is where I kind of got into the fitness industry. Bala, um, its first product was Bala Bengals and those were for yoga initially. Um, and Bala means strength in Sanskrit. So it was kind of an, originally a yoga product. So that was kind of my entry into the fitness world.
0: But like, how did it happen? Because I mean, for me, I saw the Bala Weights probably like the rest of the world did. And I kind of was like, what are these like super chic ankle weights? Like there was something about them that looked different. They looked cool. And I remember we actually couldn't get them in Australia when I first got my pair. And I was lucky enough to be traveling in the States and I found them and I literally bought like four pairs. And my partner was like, you cannot carry ankle weights home with us. Your (laughs) luggage weighs too much. And I was like, no, 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 they're coming back with us. But like how did it happen? Do you know what I mean? Because yes, like, I mean, we all think about, oh, I'd like to start a brand, but these were like, they're iconic. You know what I mean? Like you changed the way we wear ankle weights.
1: That's so nice. Um, I mean, it was, it was literally during a yoga class that my husband and at the time we were just dating, uh, we had talked about how we really wish that, this certain class, it was one of those like meditative, slower yoga classes, but we wanted to break a sweat. And yep. so we kind of t- started talking about how you could make yourself work out harder in a certain class-based class, because essentially, you know, sometimes they work you out too hard and sometimes it's not enough and it's not possible for it to be tailored to each individual person. So we were like, what could we have done to sweat more during that class? And then we we started talking about, added resistance wrist weight ankle weight and we realized that they had not been touched or redesigned since the 80s and that was when my husband who actually is the product designer like literally just drew it out on a napkin he had it in his head and since then he's um invented all of our products and essentially we kind of like have looked at the gym and said like how could we make each item better because most of the items have not been innovated in decades, except for like, you know, the techie brands like the Peloton or the Tonals. Other than that, it's like dumbbells hadn't been touched. Like nothing's been touched since the 80s. So
0: I find that so amazing because... Often when I talk to like entrepreneurs or brand builders, it comes from a gap in something that Mm -hmm. you need personally. It's quite funny when it happens like that. But then also to be surrounded by these things that, not that we take for granted, but they are just there. And you saying that, I remember I had sand ankle weights. You know what I mean? They had like the sand in them. They looked like the ones that Jane Fonda wore in the 80s. Like literally that's what they look like. And for you to kind of go and for your partner to like draw it out on a napkin is like, incredible but how did it go from the napkin to the brand that we know now like what did you do next
1: so next we realized like we definitely launched with one product like we were like all focused on ball of bangles like as the product yeah we found um through a friend of a friend a family member actually like a manufacturer that we would contact to help us figure this out all we had was a drawing so then we had to get it like actually 3d rendered and yeah. we had an idea of the materials we wanted so we basically sent it off overseas to get prototype which took i mean forever the product development alone took a year yeah and then we basically needed the money for our first production run because first production runs often are really expensive this one was going to be forty thousand dollars and we we didn't even know if we wanted to well we didn't have the money and we didn't know if we wanted to like raise money. We didn't know how to go about it. So we decided to launch a Kickstarter. Are you familiar with Kickstarter? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Would you mind explaining it? Because I feel like I know it because I'm living it. Not everyone it, but... knows it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's basically a Kickstarter is like a launch platform for, for founders and brands. And you can either have a, a completely perfect prototype or you can have an idea or you can have a finished product and you basically are like selling you're pre-selling it so you're almost it's a good way to like test the waters and the customers to see if the product if the idea is even viable um but essentially it's like you launch a campaign on kickstarter with whatever product say it's like a t-shirt idea you you put your campaign out there into the world, you really market it, you set a goal, let's say your goal is $10,000, then however many people have to buy it to get to $10,000. So it's essentially you're pre-selling your product. And then a lot of people say, okay, we won't be delivering this for a year or six months or several months. In our case, I think it was like six months, we would deliver the product and we were trying to reach $40,000 for our first production run. And we just had product um, photography, but they were just prototypes at that stage. So that's how we launched
0: it off the ground via a Kickstarter. Like, I'm like shaking my head because I'm just like, (laughs) wow. It's amazing how one idea just changes your path. You know what I mean? Like, it's just incredible that like you were doing that yoga class. I think sometimes we need to tell ourselves we have to listen to those voices. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Don't be afraid of them because I think you guys could have just not listened. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And just kind of go, oh, I'm going to go buy the weights and whatever, move on. Like it's, um, I think it's incredible when you listen and you actually like do something about it.
1: For sure. It's so easy to not, you know, just to just not. And
0: Oh, like it's the easier road. Yeah, for sure. Well, this is what's going to lead me to my next question. The easier road is not to listen to that voice. But what kind of sacrifices Happened along that journey, especially at the beginning of Bala? Like, what did you have to do to kind of sacrifice to get it happening?
1: A lot of sacrifices. I think you have to really like put yourself out there. Like, I had to reach out to everyone I knew to even like buy a set on Kickstarter. Many people did not get the idea. Like, they were just like, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Really? And yeah, I mean, it's hard until you're like a brand and people understand what it is, but. At that stage, you're just like, here's a product. And so you have to get people that really understand what it is. Um, So you have to put yourself out there like crazy. We also, since we self-funded basically, and we were just working in advertising, we we made a sacrifice. The first year of the business, um, I worked a full-time job in advertising. The first two years, because my husband was the one like paying our bills, basically, it's like the first two years he worked a job in advertising. So we were kind of working like two jobs for a long time. And there's a lot of sacrifices that had to be made to like get our business off the ground for the first like two years I would say and still sacrifices are being made all the time but it's like I would say the biggest sacrifice is definitely working like double time to get it just off the ground basically
0: it's such a hustle isn't it it's such a it's a hustle there's no
1: way to put it like no matter what brand you start it is a hustle
0: And somehow your house is always surrounded with the product. Everywhere. I feel like (laughs) right at the beginning, your house is always full Mm -hmm. of whatever you're making. For sure. Tell me about Shark Tank.
1: Oh, yes. Shark Tank is crazy. Um, That was definitely the scariest thing we've ever done. Um, go on Shark Tank.
0: I watched Shark Tank in Australia, and I've always thought about myself going yeah. on it, even before I had L Effect. I just would have loved to have been in that situation and like pitch something. And from, especially from your background of like marketing and branding and things mm-hmm. like in advertising, it would have been an incredible opportunity. So, can you please tell me about Shark Tank?
1: I mean, you should definitely go on it if you're considering <laughs> it at all. It's such a crazy experience. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's amazing. If like, I'm serious, like you should go on it and pitch your brand. It's like, (laughs) it's so crazy because you only, it's kind of like, it's not live TV, but you only get one shot. So it's like, you're out there, you're putting yourself out there in like a cheesy way also. And you're pitching to these like very intelligent billionaires. And so you're pitching to five of them. And what people don't tell you is the show is an hour or they are drilling you for an hour long. And then they cut it down to like five or 10 minutes. So they're all coming at you with like a million questions at one time. And so you have to like, the producers tell you this, that you have to like control the room and you really do. You have to be like, okay, hold on, Mark. I'm going to answer you after I get to Lori. And I
0: love this. This is everything.
1: It's so crazy. And it's terrifying. I've never seen my husband like look like that before we went on. And we were just like waiting before they call you in to go then you pitch it and you're just kind of, you know, they either like you or they don't. And in our case, luckily they liked us. Cause I can't imagine how I felt confident when I saw them smiling and I was like connecting with them and I felt like, okay, you guys get it. But if, if they didn't get it and they were like tearing us apart, I mean, our answers might have not been like poised. We would have been too scared.
0: Um, so yeah, it's, it's really intense. What was your pitch when you pitched to them? How did you sell Mm -hmm. them the brand? So we decided, I mean, we
1: definitely like printed out like, you know, our Instagram aesthetic. It's like uh, more like fashion than fitness. And so we had a large printout of a model with like a fashionable outfit on and like wearing it as a chic accessory versus uh, a fitness item. So we were like definitely leaning in on that. We had all of our products on display. And whenever we went out there, our shtick, like our pitch was an 80s workout video because like and basically everybody went out and they were doing this 80s like cute like dance with like an aerobics instructor. And it was like supposed to be funny. And it it was they actually laughed and everybody's wearing the old sandbag weights. And then they kind of like took them off and then under them were the ball of bangles. And it was like. Why are you still living in the 80s? Like some things were cool back then, but like let's upgrade our life to the cool wrist weights, you know?
0: I'm literally covered in goosebumps from head to toe because I just love it. I love it when people just go for it. And I love that you saw it like that. Like I said, I've looked at those weights a million and million times over. And I just think it's so amazing that you guys looked at them and saw them so differently. I've got so many of your other equipment and it's so amazing and it's so chic and you want to work out with it and you want to take photos of it. And I just think it's so amazing that you guys have done that and then just like changed it. It's incredible. Thank you. That's so nice. (laughs) At what point did you do Shark Tank?
1: So we did Shark Tank. um, It aired basically right before the pandemic started in the US. So it aired February 28th, two weeks later, pandemic.
0: Oh my gosh. I didn't realize it was so soon because how long has the brand been alive?
1: Three, a little over three years.
0: Okay. So I would have bought my bala bangles a year and a half ago. I bought them early. You were early.
1: Yeah, for sure. You were like, well, probably while we were like living in Brooklyn, like Working two jobs. Thanks for the support.
0: (laughs) Anytime. I always like to support another, (laughs) another brand like that. That's so bizarre. So, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to like get the timeline in my head. So you're working your two jobs. Barlow is slowly coming alive. We're forcing friends and family to maybe buy into the brand. Mm -hmm. So at what point does it become a real brand and you leave your jobs?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I would say, we probably could have quit sooner than we did. We were we played it really conservatively. We really like bootstrapped and we really were like bought in yeah. on the bootstrapping way. So, you know, Bala launched March of 2018. Yeah. I would say, well, I didn't quit my job till one year later. So I quit in March of 2019. Max quit in March of 2020. Wow. But I will say that Bala like became a brand um, probably like I would say five to six months in we yep. got in Goop. We were in Shape Magazine. Like, things started to happen. And maybe about five months in was when yep. Free People also saw us on Instagram. We had tagged them in a photo. And again, we were, like, super grassroots about the brand. And we tagged them in a photo. And, the pre, like, the buyer or the president, someone saw, saw the weights and they were interested in carrying them. So that was, like, one of the big breaks as well. So I would say, like, five, six months in, we started to really get some, like, traction where we were like, okay, this is a thing.
0: Yeah. But you were still working and your partner was still working for a year after you. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't happen as quickly as people think. Like three years sounds super quick to me, Yeah. but when you kind of put it out on paper, it's not like you drew on the napkin and the next day you were like, I'm doing it.
1: I feel like it's like, it's a slow build and it has to be that way because maybe one day you get hit up by a free people and then a couple months later, goop. Or, you know, like these little moments happen. And when you look back, it all makes sense, but it's like a slow buildup and it's a hustle. And like, it all adds up. It's like every little mention, it's like every, if a celebrity mentions you, that's not gonna make or break your brand. You know, it's all like, you're just kind of putting it all together and slowly getting up to this like established brand and it all adds up, I'd say.
0: Who along the journey like supported you? Obviously it's you and your partner that are in the business together, but who outside of you guys was supporting the dream? And like, yes, I believe in this reinvention of the eighties ankle weights. Yeah. I mean,
1: we definitely had a family was a big support. My sister was our first ball employee and she was like doing the Instagram for us whenever like, We weren't even paying her for probably the first six months or something. Like, she was bought in. She, like, would fly to New York with me and do a photo shoot just, like, us two on the beach, you know? Like, it was really—she was bought in. Um, We had a lot of support from, like, friends and family. My friend was an editor at Town & Country, so she really supported it. Uh, We had other influencers, like, early adopters that really— like supported us. Like Melissa Woodhealth was definitely an early adopter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And she would like post it all the time and we weren't paying or anything. So I think there were like some just like brand love moments like that, that really like helped us get off the ground.
0: Did you ever have a moment during it where you were kind of like, this isn't going to work? we can't do this. Like some people call it imposter syndrome, but it's also that, I think it's that doubt Mm -hmm. that we all kind of have in the back of our mind. Was there a moment that that happened with you guys? All the time, all the time. I mean, especially,
1: (laughs) I mean, that still happens. I feel like that's like not normal if it doesn't happen to you like a lot, especially as a founder. It's like, it's it's so personal to you. But um, many times, I think there were times at the beginning of COVID when like we had a really bad warehouse and our warehouse was not really getting, product out on time and deliveries were late. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like not going to work out. Um, or if you ever get an angry email from a customer, um, that <laughs> yeah. that's the feeling. It's like, and early on, I think it was like, now I feel like we have enough out there where people kind of know what it is. But early on, like people would pass it. We'd be at a trade show and they'd pass the ball of angles and they'd, they'd be like, what is that? I don't, and so a lot of people then would light up and get really excited about it, like your reaction. But then every now and then there'd be somebody who just did not understand it. And they were just like, I don't get it. Um, and so, yeah, anytime that happens, you have a lot of self-doubt.
0: <laughs> how do you get past it? Like, how do you get through the self-doubt? Like, how do, you, how do you build yourself back up? How do you keep going?
1: I had to tell myself, cause I used to do all the customer service too, probably like the first year and a half. And so you, every now and then you get somebody really mean or mad. So my way of doing it is kind of like taking any feedback you know, in and like, because obviously, like, listen to your customer, and there's like, you know, a potential you can improve the product with these insights. But then I would just kind of like decide to, like, okay, I took it in, now I'm throwing that away. And I like, there's no room for it in my head. And I have to like cleanse myself of it and keep going and rise above and honestly just like keep on my path forward because that is clear and any negativity will weigh me down, whether it's like pressure, me giving myself the pressure or outside um, negativity. It's just, I just have to like say, okay, that's it. And then I'm moving forward. (laughs)
0: It's so true about the space in your mind. It's such a funny thing. If you let it have space, it sits there and it takes you up. But if you acknowledge it and just move through it, you're all good. That's the point. Acknowledge and move through, you know, and move on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I want to ask this question because I feel like this happens a lot in the world of when you create new brands. Other people see what you're doing and they almost copy what you do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for me, when I came back to Australia, I had the bala weights that I'd carried back from America. And I remember wearing them on Instagram and tagging you guys and me saying it's bala, like you can get them from free people. It was free people who were shipping when I had them. And then I remember seeing a couple of other ones and I was like, oh, are they bala? And people would be like, no, they're not bala. And I was like, wow like you've copied Bala like how do you deal with that because I feel like especially because you created this new way of this product like how do you deal with people ripping you off it's so disheartening especially yeah. when like my
1: husband literally drew it out on a napkin and we spent over a year prototyping and making it perfect and we still recently like have improved like the Velcro and like we we are like it's our baby and we worked so hard and then to see people and by the way, there's like hundreds and if not thousands yeah. of copies around the world, actually predominantly in Australia. Which is crazy. And they, they it's not even just a, like a knockoff. It's like they take our product and they just add their own logo to it. And it's it's the most disappointing yeah. thing. And oftentimes we reach out and we send them a founder note. We say, we, you know, we like worked on this brand for three yeah. years, like, day and night like kind of trying to appeal to their hearts and oftentimes they're like well you don't have a patent in Australia <laughs> and we do have a patent in the um, US and we're and we're now global patenting our products in every country
0: is that we can which is so amazing I think of that movie joy and I think of her when she makes the mop. totally people don't realize the blood sweat and tears that goes into something and it is like your baby mm-hmm. and then for them to turn around and just say something like that I think you're incredible to have kept your head high and your DNA is your brand and you know it's yours. That's where we always, like, it keeps us up at night. Like, it's
1: very upsetting. It's so, so, so upsetting. People have built legit brands with just our product. And now they're copying uh, the power ring and the beam Everything we launch, we know. Can
0: I just say, I got the beam last night. For people that are listening, oh, good, everybody needs yeah. a beam in their life. Do you like it? Firstly, <laughs> I know when something's good, when my partner picks it up. I love that. <laughs> Joel literally did not put it down last night. And then my sister came over and then she had it. And she asked, she was saying to Joel, can you tell me what to do? And then she filmed Joel doing the workout so she's gonna get what it was like it's funny how somebody it just they wanted to pick it up yeah it's inviting yeah Yeah. it's something about your products that exactly are that it's inviting you want to try it you want to work out you want to feel good so that's you guys nobody else can take that which is amazing
1: yeah I think honestly that's what we tell ourselves at night it's like it could have the ability to really weigh you down and kind of cripple you that oh my gosh I worked so hard on this and somebody's just coming in and like building a brand on a product I reinvented and what helps us like go to sleep at night is like, you know, we have to just rise above and we have to win on brand and stay authentic to to who you are and Eventually, hopefully enough people will know about us where they won't want to support the copycats because I wouldn't want to. And to be honest, a lot of our customers are the ones who tell us about that and they don't like the look of that and they'll unfollow the people. So, I mean, we just got to keep going and tell ourselves that when on brand.
0: And with saying that, you've got some huge supporters. I mean, like Mm -hmm. Maria Sharapova. She's one of our investors. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can't really top that. (laughs) She's
1: amazing. I know.
0: And who else works with the brand? Because you guys have got some really key people. Mark
1: Cuban is our investor. And so is Maria Sharapova. But it has been adopted by, you know, celebrities will naturally tag us. I know you did the giveaway, which was like honestly amazing. We had great results from that. And that was so it's so nice when like large influencers or celebrities like just give you brand love it's like it means everything but
0: it's like the goop thing you saying you guys like right back at the beginning got that goop seal of approval i mean i go i used to when i traveled to la i'd go into the goop store and everything she had in that store i was like i need everything in my life everything it's It's like perfectly curated it's quite amazing yeah (gasps) thinking back on your journey so far what do you think was your big sliding doors moment with bala I think it was the
1: moment that I, you know, decided to launch, launch Bala in general, like on Shopify, March 2018, that moment was, it opened up everything. Um, But then really, it could really open up and unlock the specialness with the brand whenever I was, I finally got the guts to quit my job. And again, it's like we talked about this today. It's like I did quit a little late. Like I probably could have quit six months earlier, um, but we were playing it really safe. And I think that was when the moment I was able to quit my job and focus. We were really able to see
0: Bala's growth. Was there something that happened that made you go? The time is now.
1: I think it was. It was the point in which we were in enough retail as like a group and a free people, and it was the point where I actually couldn't do both anymore. Like I physically. I couldn't give myself to work and to Bala. And I, it was the point where my husband and I talked and we said, we're not doing Bala any favors. Like we're actually holding Bala back and we're not allowing it to grow if you don't take a chance and quit your job. Yeah. So it was that it was where it was just like we're not doing the, what's best for the brand If if I continue to just
0: split my time. It sounds so easy, but I remember when I did it in that moment and it's so scary. The it's security's so scary. not there.
1: Yeah, it could all go away in, in a few months and it's it's so scary. Yeah. Put the life you know, go for the one you don't know. And that's terrifying. But oftentimes it's rewarding. It yeah. is,
0: isn't it? It is. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? What is, hap- I mean, you saved us during lockdown. <laughs> there was no other fashionable way than to do a workout than without your <laughs> bar the weights on. But what's next? That. What's the next goal?
1: Yeah, um, we have a lot of products and exciting other like initiatives launching. This year, we have some really cool collabs. Um, I think what's next is like, it's a lot bigger than just the few weights you've seen. It's it's not even just weights. It's, we are trying to build a lifestyle where we really feel like there is a place for ball in the world. And we, we want to like take the work out of working out and make it fun and playful and not so you know, just everything you've seen in masculine. And we want to be the antidote to the ultra serious, like fitness world that exists. So that's kind of what's next.
0: I love that. That also excites me because I feel like you just make it cool. I love that. That's so nice. It's
1: just just cool. I think that the true success of BALA will be whenever we have a large give back component Right now, we do give back in various ways, in particular, 100% of our proceeds for our Pibble Purple go to dog rescues. But ultimately, it would be success for us if we had a huge give back program one day.
0: I love that. Good karma. Good karma. The good ones always rise to the top. (laughs) I love that.
1: That's so nice.
0: (laughs) Something that I feel like people always ask for is advice. And I would love to hear from you if there was somebody listening to this that is thinking about doing something for themselves or going it on their own or just trying to achieve success. What kind of advice would you give them? I I mean, I always say just
1: like, don't overthink it because I think sometimes you can really overthink something, like just worry about it being perfect, whether it's like your website, your product, like whatever it may be. And like it's unattainable and then it's like it's it's almost crippling and then you can either take too long and never launch something or just you know kind of take too long and then you end up like veering in another direction i think if you can get something to launch to like make it an actual reality like just take baby steps to get there and then j- just don't overthink it so that you cuz it's more important to like get say you're launching like a t-shirt brand it's like more important to just like kind of start and launch it and iterate along the way, than to just keep it as an idea at, or a work in progress in your head, because those ideas, in my my experience, like can oftentimes go away. Versus like putting it
0: out there, making it a reality. Did you feel like there was a need for a speed to market when you guys were creating? Did you feel like there was a race to get there? Not at the time, actually, because we didn't even know if it would be a hit. But right now, I would say we feel a
1: speed to market with like our other products. Cause we feel like from the counterfeits, like we're being watched and the second we do launch something, it's going to be copied. And so it does feel like we have such big ambitions for Bala and we know like that other people are coming as well. So it's like now we, we feel a sense of urgency. Yeah. And I would say then we didn't. Now we do, which is funny.
0: But isn't that funny? It's like It comes at some point, doesn't it? I feel like you're on that wheel regardless. Once you get on the wheel, you're on it. Yeah, we're definitely on it. (laughs) Natalie, what is the weirdest place you've seen somebody with the ankle or the wrist weights on? Because I see people in Sydney wearing them in strange places.
1: (laughs) Really? That's so funny. I want to hear where you see them. I mean, We've only seen them, like, in the white, like, one time, like, out and about in the world, surprisingly, besides, like, at retail. But on Instagram, let me think of the weirdest places. I mean, people just, like, definitely wear them at the office. They'll wear them, like, in the kitchen but while eating, like, pizza. And I would say that's, that's like, a, one of the funnier places um that I can think of what about you
0: yesterday I saw my manager run out of her house to pick something out of my car she was fully clothed in an amazing outfit and then had her parlor weights on I love and it and I looked down at her I was like dude what are you doing she's like they've been on all day I love them and I was like I love, I love
1: that <laughs> that makes me really happy
0: Natalie thank you so much for chatting to me today I you were somebody that I really really wanted to talk to A because I am probably your number one Australian fan of the brand That makes me so happy But just to have created something that wasn't there before Do you know what I mean? And change the way that we think And change the way that we saw something I'm so into your journey And you are so amazing So I feel so special that you were able to chat today so Thank you Thank you Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson, producer Tina Matalog, audio production by Darcy Thompson, executive producer Jennifer Goggin, and a special thanks to my manager Camille Toulouse for always being a fresh pair of ears on each episode. Listener.